Welcome back, OTRs, to another Thoughts from the Truck segment. Today's episode is going to be a hybrid. We're going to continue our development of our veterinary marketing, but we're going to roll in some of the COVID-19 stuff. And what we're going to do is seek to kind of mesh these two together into something that will allow you to communicate why you're doing specific things to your clients, communicate to them why they need to take specific steps, as well as just educate them in a way that I think that the human medicine and general uh, government is doing a bad job of communicating to them. Things like understanding their societal impact of social isolation, understanding the societal impacts of the treatments we're doing and all of this, all of these weights, all these stresses on us and being that source that actually understands that and talks to them about the implications of the treatment or prevention strategy, not this, just the disease itself. So by meshing these two together, you can make yourself a valuable source to your clients, to the general public, and position yourself in such a way to be the expert now and into the future as we get through and beyond this crisis. So stay tuned today, OTRs, for another special episode focusing on marketing in the age of COVID-19. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, OTRs. Today's episode, again, is going to focus on marketing this COVID-19 age. And I think we have to come to the realization that we as veterinarians are probably very highly likely to be exposed to this disease. And it's kind of for this reason that we need to institute some procedures within our businesses and procedures for ourselves to protect ourselves as well as our clients. And many small animal practices have already taken these steps of, you know, curbside pickup, closing down for anything but emergencies and those types of things. Those of us in the large animal practice have basically continued on, maybe close our storefronts to pick up only or something like that, but have continued on as kind of business as usual. And I think that that might not be the best plan of action. I think at the very least, we need to consider the implications of potential for infection of ourselves or our staff and how we can prevent that to the highest degree. And also just not wear ourselves out and put ourselves at a higher risk for, for a mortal infection with this disease. Just looking at some interesting statistics before we really delve into to how we're going to market this and how we can prepare our clients as well as ourselves for this for this outbreak on the large animal side. You know, there's a really cool graph going around from the New York Times that actually comes out of uh, statistics from the Department of Labor. And the Department of Labor has a database where they look at many different factors for jobs. But they look at risk factors for things. And what the New York Times did is graph the risk factors of exposure to disease and personal proximity. And the New York Times took this graph and basically graphed it out for about 100 or more actual occupations. And believe it or not, veterinarians, and again, we're grouped in the large and small animal in this case, but veterinarians in general, were in the 89th percentile for disease exposure, 
and 91st percentile for personal proximity. And to give you a little bit of context, that places veterinarians at a higher risk than airline employees and nurses. We're lower than doctors and I believe first responders. So that gives you an idea of what our overall risk is. And that's not just to ourselves, but to our families, our loved ones, and our clients. So it's really important that we begin to take steps to kind of protect ourselves and again, our clients' businesses from this disease. I know we all like to think that we've spent years designing systems that prevent disease spread through our businesses, through our clients' businesses, prevent pneumonia outbreaks and diarrheal outbreaks and mastitis outbreaks. So we spent so much time designing facilities to prevent the spread of disease. And we think, you know, that's going to protect us as well. And trust me, as a ventilation expert certified in the Dairyland Initiative, I've designed many, many different barns, many, many different ventilation systems with this in mind. But I have to sadly admit, we designed these things for the animal occupation areas. But start thinking about your local dairies and how many of them have a milk house, uh, an office, a commons area, a lunchroom, a bathroom. All of those areas are not animal-based areas. And I can almost guarantee they wouldn't pass standard if we wanted to raise animals in those specific spaces. I think it's important to keep this in mind because these areas are often not ventilated well. They don't have HVAC systems. They're ventilated through natural ventilation, which means that they can have some of the most contaminated air on the dairies. Not to mention the surface contamination of having doorknobs and faucet handles, toilet handles, all of those different transmission sources. For a fun exercise, just do a herd check and count the number of times somebody gets within six feet of you or you touch a common surface. And I think you'll actually start to realize your actual risk factors for infection or exposure to infection. Now, each person kind of has a different risk tolerance for this. And I think that's, you know, okay. You know, some people are on one end of the spectrum where they don't want to be exposed at all. And certainly that depends maybe even on your age or your current philosophy. And then some are on the other end of, you know, it's a hoax. And I think we keep that in mind as, as we have this discussion today, that when we are designing things to educate the public, we want to try and occupy the middle ground based on science. And we don't want to alienate one side or the other per se, but we want to be good knowledge sources and have good solid information that then people can draw from based upon, you know, their risk aversion level. So there's some basic things that we can start with when we're looking to protect ourselves, the six foot rule, washing hands often and frequently, not touching our face. But from there, I think the government and human health has done a poor job of educating us, you know, the other things that we should be doing or our producers should be doing within their facilities to protect themselves. Now, there are many different steps that we could do at this point, but this is where I want you guys to start thinking about the integration between marketing for the educational material of this and the protection of your clients and yourself and their employees. So one of the first things I think that we can encourage our clients to do, whether they're a 35 cow dairy or a 4,000 cow dairy, is you know sanitizing common surfaces fairly frequently during the day. Maybe two or three times during a shift. If it's a smaller farm, maybe two or three times during a day, just using a basic approved disinfectant. And if you go to the CDC's website, there are plenty of disinfectants on there listed for killing COVID. But 
Things like door handles, microwaves, commons tables, bathroom sinks, toilet knobs, all of those things can be sanitized multiple times a day to prevent spread. And I think that that, that will help mitigate the load that occurs in those facilities. I've also had discussions with my producers about limiting or stopping employees from congregating in break areas, you know, poorly ventilated areas where they're going to have lunch, have conversations. And there's lots of communication there in terms of disease communication. Now, if we take those types of things and we're looking to market them, you can throw something together very, very quickly. And I've seen process milk processing plants have something thrown together and I've already mailed it out to my clients. I'm kind of at, you know, I missed the ball there. I missed the game. I could have had that out before and been seen, you know, as the forefront of, hey, do these basic things. Now, are all of them going to read it and follow it? Not necessarily, but sometimes it's the first of the game that provides that information that has the most important steps. So if you're looking to do something like this for your producers and provide them some, a little bit of guidance on, you know, what to wipe down, what are the disinfectants you can use, how do you, you know, dole these out, these assignments out to employees, those types of things. You can go online again, go to Canva. You can get it for free right now, or you can buy the $10 pro membership. And on there, they have thousands of templates, hundreds of thousands of templates, honestly. And just go on there and get some basic ones in there. Take a picture of a chemical bottle, list off a couple different disinfectants that can be used, list off the common surfaces and how you would disinfect them and how frequently you do it. And you can send that out. And again, you can be seen as taking aggressive action. Your clinic being at the forefront, again, of that knowledge dissemination. Another thing that I think clinics can really benefit from and take advantage of is bringing in translators. So there's a lot of translators that are stuck at home right now. And they can do meetings still or virtual meetings or even recordings of videos that you can send out in email or on Facebook or something like that. And a lot of times I think that the dissemination of knowledge across the language barrier on our dairies is very, very poor. And I know that I struggle because I'm not bilingual and I've struggled with farm employees. And in a time of crisis like this, it is more important than ever that they understand they not just need to do something, but why they need to do it. And if you go back two Mondays ago, not the last cutting edge episode, but the cutting edge episode before that, we talked about clinical communication and the importance of understanding and explaining the social implications of treatment and prevention. The only way that we can get people to enact basic treatment and prevention strategies is if we understand and communicate to them that these things need to be done because of X, Y, and Z. They won't just follow a checklist. You have to tell them why. And by bringing this translator in and doing some simple cookie cutter conversations, things that you can send out to all of your dairies, it can put you ahead and put you in a position again as the expert. So you can do something like this from a marketing standpoint very, very easily. You can do it on your Facebook page. Simply send a script to a translator and say, hey, these are some basic things on disinfection. These are some basic things on not coming within six feet and why we're doing it. These are our new procedures on the dairy and why we are doing it. And have them translate that into a video and then disseminate it to the employees of the dairy. Make it available to all your clients. Like I said, Facebook's a great way to do this. Email is also a great way to market this. 
a really professional looking email with an explanation of your clinic's position, your clinic's concern for the clients, and then a nice video that's translated into Spanish, which is obviously, you know, one of the main languages of our employees on our dairies or on our operations is incredibly critical and something that all of your operations will highly value. It's something that they don't have to worry about in this crisis and something that they don't have to worry about scheduling because it's virtual and you don't have to worry about bringing people together. Other things that you can market on Facebook is simple information. Disseminate information, valid, scientifically proven, or proven in the field. So read articles on the COVID infection. Particularly one of interest to me was in South Korea, they limited the exposure and disruption of their key industries by identifying the absolute limit or the number of skeleton crew, mem crew members in operation or a production system needed and then broke their different crew members for that production system into shifts. So let's just say you would normally have three shifts milking, but you realistically only needed three people a shift, but you have four to make life a little bit easier. Now instead, you'd break this into four shifts. Each shift only works with themselves. So you get assigned to a shift, you can't trade shifts, you work when you work. This has been done to prevent the spread of disease. So if somebody gets sick, you need to quarantine a shift, it doesn't shut the entire plant down. It makes life a little bit more rough on the other shifts, but it allows the continuation of production. So simple concepts like this, again, doing something like a Facebook Live video saying, these are strategies to control spread, or sitting down with, let's just say, a CEO of operations on a large dairy, or sitting down with a mid-sized dairy and having the conversation of how do you plan to limit the spread of disease if it happens in your employees. And having these conversations is really, really good. Again, using Facebook Live video, using emails, reaching out, even something like this is really, really good to reach out via text and just say, hey, have you heard of this strategy? It's coming out of South Korea. They've had really good success. Just an FYI, I wanted to pass the information on to you. Simple marketing strategies, again, just using the media that you've got, you don't have to pay any extra for. Other things that you can do to really create value for yourself and also make people feel a little bit more safe and secure is going on Facebook and telling people on your Facebook profile, if you're an employee at one of our operations, please identify yourself if you're an at-risk individual or in a direct contact with an at-risk individual. Identify yourself to us and to your um, owner or operator so that we can take adequate precautions to protect you. That might mean less shifts or a new job description that puts you in an area with less people. For me personally, knowing that I'm a higher risk for being exposed, I don't want to work with people who have high risk individuals around them if possible. So for example, one of my dairies has a herds person who has a long occurring heart issue. So when we do herd check, I want to remain as far away from that person or not have that person involved in herd check for a period of time to avoid exposing them. Again, using social media to reach out or even direct text message to your clients is a great way to open those, those lines of communication. And those employees will feel really valued when you you're thinking of them ahead of time and trying to limit their overall exposure. Certainly, maybe they'll feel left out in the short term, but in the long term, I think they'll really value the ability to be a little bit more protected. Other things to consider, if you're an employer that offers housing or group housing for your employees, 
or if you have producers that do that as well, providing those people basic disinfectants. They may not have had a whole lot of disinfectant on hand. So, you know, things like a gallon of bleach can go a long ways or some alcohol can go a long ways just to help them protect themselves and their families. I think a lot of people didn't have a lot of disinfectant on hand beforehand. And a lot of us as veterinary clinics and as producers or our process or producers have access to a lot more disinfectants than the general public. So just giving them basic coverage will help as well. You can convey this point very easily via social media. Maybe you're going to do something like one of these points per day on social media, and you're going to go live for a minute or two minutes or three minutes and just provide those points. That's a great marketing strategy to add value, convey information and educate your clients. The last things that I've seen people do to help, you know, educate their clients. And I've seen this beforehand and some people have probably done this with their processors one-on-one or, or their producers one-on-one -on -one, is basically have a disaster preparedness plan. Many of you or most of you haven't been affected by this virus currently. There have been very few cases relatively in rural America compared to urban America so far. And it really hasn't affected our processors as or our producers as much. But now is the time to have a plan. You know, just start thinking about things and inviting your producers to have virtual meetings with you. So going on Facebook or email and saying, we are scheduling disaster preparedness meetings. We'll do them virtually with you. We'll sit down and we'll brainstorm. We don't have all the answers, but we want to help you be ready in case things happen. And specifically, you want to do these disaster preparedness plans as associated to the virus. And you can always do more later for natural disasters or whatever, but planning something like if all your employees are sick, who's going to milk cows? If your feeder is sick, does anyone else know how to feed cows? Do they need to be trained? What if your mill closes and you can't get protein or mineral? How are we going to feed cattle? Are we going to feed them differently? What if, God forbid, the processor or the packing plant shut down and we can't ship cows or we can't ship milk? How do we plan to deal with that? From a cash flow standpoint, how much money do you want to tie up in inventory? Do we need extra inventory or do we want to keep that cash on hand? All of these things and many more conversations will come up. Again, maybe related to some of the stuff we talked about before, but these, again, are great value-add ways for you to do this. So do simple things like send an email out related to this and just reach out. People will appreciate that. Send direct text messages out. Maybe you have 10 vets at your clinic and each one of you has 15 clients. Set up a form letter text message that people can copy. And they can send to each one of their clients, just reaching out to them, knowing, letting them know that they're valued, being thought of, and we're here for you if you need anything. Simple, simple things like that can really help this entire situation. People have so many questions. I mean, yesterday I spent a half an hour on the phone with a producer talking about the risk to him and his family. The human industry, government, medical, and societal has done a terrible job of addressing the social impacts of this disease in quarantine. But we have the ability, as medical experts, trained very, very highly in understanding the social impacts of the treatment on people's animals, we have the ability to step into that role, to assume that role, to train people, to tell them why. Instead of tell them what to do, tell them why they're doing it. And then we already know this as veterinarians. We know that they will 
comply more aggressively if they understand the why. We've proven this. Science has proven it. Again, if you doubt me, go back to the Cutting Edge article two weeks ago. Carolyn Ritter does a great job of explaining that. Go out and read her research. It is compelling, and it tells us why we need to do specific things to reach out to our producers, to reach out to the American public. I'll leave you with one more thought, and I left this on the AABP podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, go reach out, go check it out. There's going to be a COVID-19 virus special episode interview with Fred Gingrich and uh, the three, three other people, three other practicing veterinarians. And we had a special based on this. And I left this little seed or kernel of thought for people. But I think we now as veterinarians, maybe as producers, as employees, need to treat life like there's airborne crypto. And just think about how that would change your life if crypto became airborne, because I'm sure many, if not most of us, have had crypto at some point. So if you live life like that, you should be pretty safe. But again, use your marketing systems today, in the future, to educate, to reach out, to provide value, to position yourself as an expert. Use email marketing. Send out basic messages. Send out videos. Use Facebook Live. It's a free video capture service. Use that direct communication. Send out direct text messages. Many people prefer, prefer that communication method. Email or mail physical flyers on disinfection technique. All of these things provide value, position you as an expert, and will help you when we get through this crisis. And we will get through this crisis. We just need to help our producers ourselves and the general public, ground ourselves, bear down, and push through. Thanks for joining me today, OTRs, and carry on. If you liked this content and want more, join our OTO community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. Also, check out our blog at otovets.com forward slash blog and don't miss our cutting edge episodes where we cover the latest in peer reviewed scientific research related to large animal veterinary medicine. You can find the written context at otovets.com forward slash cutting edge, or you can listen to it at our podcast at otovets.com forward slash podcast. Please join our community for an active discussion about today's podcast past podcasts, and other decisive topics within veterinary medicine. Thanks again for joining us today, OTOers, and carry on.